morning, my name's Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here. So let me start in a strange place, but you'll see where it leads. In the Harry Potter books, Dumbledore, the headmaster, tells Harry that as much money and life as you could want. The two things most human beings would choose above all. The trouble is humans do have a knack of choosing precisely those things that are worst for them. Wealth and eternal life are like the two super superpowers that people always strive for. And it seems like wealthy people strive for eternal life constantly too. If you think about some of the wealthiest people throughout the world, uh, throughout history, there's been this continual desire amongst the super wealthy to receive, to gain eternal life to, to lengthen the days of their lives, to figure out how to live forever. Uh, they've searched, they've gone on treasure hunts, they've uh, flown to other planets. They've done everything possible to try and gain eternal life. Wealth by itself almost seems like small fries compared to eternal life, I guess. Now, personally, I've never had to deal with this. Um, I don't have to worry about uh, having access to either one. I don't have the money for that to be my reality. But Jesus was actually asked this very question about how to gain eternal life by somebody who is named as a wealthy person. That is the descriptor used for them. So in Matthew 19, listen to this. Jesus has a conversation with a guy who is named as a rich young man. Pretty descriptive, right? So that's how he was described in name. And he comes up to Jesus and he says this, teacher, tell me how I can gain eternal life. And so Jesus looks at him and, and he gives him this kind of like cagey answer at first. And then he says this, go and, and live your life according to the Ten Commandments. And the rich young man's like, yes, I got it. I could do this. He says, that's exactly how I live my life. I, you know, but wait, is there anything else that I need to do? And it's in this moment that Jesus does one of those things that frustrates us to no end. It must have frustrated the disciples to no end to hear Jesus do this. Because sometimes it just feels like he gets a little bit unbearable. You know, he just goes one step too far. You're sitting there, you're like, this guy is in. He wants to follow you. Bring him in. Make it easy for him. The on-ramp is right there. Let him come. And then we'll talk about the other stuff. Once he gets in and he gets involved, then we'll, then we'll talk about, you know, how he deals with his money and stuff like that. But instead, Jesus just goes straight to the punch. And he says this, if you want eternal life, go and sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the rich young man does what we would expect. He hangs his head and he walks away. But Jesus and his disciples don't stop there. They continue to have a conversation. And Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, you know, it's really hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples, it says, were astounded. And they said, then who in the world can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. 
with man gaining eternal life is impossible. You cannot do it on your own, no matter how good you are, no matter how wealthy you are, it is an impossibility. You cannot live forever. You can't lengthen your days by even an hour, Jesus tells us at other parts, even for an extremely wealthy person. But for God, it is completely possible. And I want us to recognize something here that I think has tremendous value to our lives. And that's that in these verses, we are actually given a definition of what eternal life is straight from Jesus. So follow this train with me. In Matthew 19, 16, at the beginning of this, the, the rich young man comes to Jesus and says the, the words eternal life. How do I gain eternal life? In verse 17, Jesus replies and says, this is what you do to gain eternal life. In verse 23, Jesus then replies, talking about the same thing, it calls it the kingdom of heaven. And in verse 24, he says the kingdom of God. And then in verse 25, the disciples say, well, then how can I be saved or who can gain salvation? And they are using these words interchangeably to mean the exact same thing, which means that eternal life equals the kingdom of heaven, which equals the kingdom of God, which equals salvation. Eternal life is the same thing as the kingdom of God, heaven, and salvation. Those are interchangeable terms according to Jesus. Let that sink in. That, that has some staying power, I think, for us. George Ladd is a theologian, and he wrote that life eternal means that we have already been brought into a personal relationship with God here and now. Life eternal means that God has become our God, and we have become his people, and that we have began to share his life. Eternal life means having a personal relationship with God. That's what we say salvation means. And eternal life means that we have begun to share in the life of God right now. And this gets me excited because honestly, this perspective of eternity is one of the main things that makes me passionate about following Jesus because it's this view of the kingdom of God that begins to change things for how we live our lives because we believe that the kingdom of God is continuously breaking into our world. And we talk about that a lot here. We talk about the kingdom of God, the, the rule and the reign of Jesus, his kingdom that he has created that is broken into our world through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that has remained in our world through the continuous movement, influence, and power of the Holy Spirit and that is continuing to break into our world through things like healing the sick and bringing justice to the oppressed and bringing freedom to those who are bound up by sin and illness among so many other things. And Jesus says that the kingdom of God is eternal life. Being saved or salvation is that classic Christian line uh, that we say to mean that we have made a decision in our life, that we have turned from following our own path to following the path of Jesus. We have become disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, that we've asked him to forgive us for our sins, for the ways that we've pulled away from him in relationship, that we've tried to make other things into God's, and that we've given over control to the leadership of Jesus the guidance of the Holy Spirit in the wisdom of the Bible. And Jesus tells us that salvation is eternal life. 
and eternal life began the moment that I welcomed Jesus into my life. What does that mean for how we live? N.T. Wright is one of my favorite theologians. Uh, He's a British guy, and he wrote this. What you do in the present will last into God's future. We are practicing in the present for the great symphony, which is to come. So if eternal life is about me living my life according to the plan of Jesus today, being a part of the kingdom of God, breaking into our world today, seeing people saved from sin today, from oppression today, saved from evil today, then I'm in. If that's what eternal life is, I'm in. I love that. That's powerful. That affects me. You see, before I learned this, I had become kind of disenfranchised. I was in my early 20s, uh, and I had been disenfranchised with the view of following Jesus that said that I prayed a prayer, and then I went to heaven eventually, and that that was kind of it. Like, that was salvation. And, like, I was smart enough to look at that and to say, like, that leaves out a lot. Like, what about all those years, hopefully, all those years in between? Like, how about how I live in between those two times. Does that actually matter? I mean, could I do whatever I want and then pray before I die and and get into heaven? Or could I pray and then do whatever I want and still be good? You know, that's not captivating to me at all. That seems like a bunch of fudged math that is just simply done in order to allow me to make bad choices and to live outside of God's plan. Like, I'm not interested in that, and I'm not going to change my behavioral patterns to live that way. If the only thing that following Jesus, that gaining eternal life affects is where my soul goes when I die, then it's a nice fringe benefit. But I'm going to be honest, it is not going to affect how I live at all. I wanted a gospel that matters for now. And the good news is that the gospel is for now. We're not just practicing or killing time until the real show begins. How we live matters because eternity has already begun. It is here among us. And so this morning, as we're continuing in our series called Wise Up, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He's planted eternity in our hearts, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. God has planted eternal life in our hearts, friends. The kingdom of God is within us. Eternal life, if you gain nothing else this morning, I hope that you gain this. Eternal life is about now, not just eventually. Because ready or not, for the followers of Jesus, eternal life has already begun. So we need to figure out how to live life with eternity in our hearts and in our actions today, not just when we die. Will you pray with me? And then we're going to jump into Ecclesiastes. Jesus, I thank you for the good news that this is, that there is so much hope in this because you have broken in, you have begun to work, you have changed things already. The kingdom of God is now, not when we die. We're not, we're not hoping in, in reaching heaven and getting some big house and eternal golf memberships. We're not hoping in, in, in 
you know, escaping from hell. We, we are placing our hope in the fact that you are breaking into our world today. You are bringing healing to those who are sick. You are bringing freedom to those who are imprisoned. You are bringing freedom to those who are oppressed. Thank you that you love us enough to care about now, not just then. Thank you for that. Come Holy Spirit, move here among us today. Reveal your heart to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So grab your Bible and open to Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 11. That's where we're going to be all morning. Ecclesiastes is after Proverbs, which is after Psalms, which is kind of the middle of the Bible. So it's one of the easiest spots to find in the Bible. Read this with me. Ecclesiastes 3, 1. For everything there's a season, a time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Yes, that is a lot of times. (laughs) Let's see how he follows that up. What do people really get for all their hard work? Well, I've seen the burden that God's placed on us all. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So the teacher, the author of Ecclesiastes, he lays out this massive list of times or seasons, uh, seasons that happen in life. He goes through excruciating detail. He names things that hopefully we don't have to live through, uh, like seasons of killing. That's a little bit gruesome and, and intense. Uh, sounds like uh you know, a TV show on AMC or something. Uh, Like it's a little bit much really. But if we're to live life eternal well, we need to be aware of the seasons of life. We need to live well in our seasons. And we're encouraged in verse 11 to find beauty in the season that we are in. It doesn't seem... It doesn't say that we need to find all seasons equally beautiful or that we need to long for all seasons in the same way that we long for certain ones or to find them fun uh, or to wish that we could live through them over and over and over again. That sounds a little bit morbid and probably not healthy. Uh, But it does say that we need to have an eternal view of the seasons of life, a kingdom of God view, which means that we need to find beauty in the places that we are in. So what season of life are you in? Uh, I know that this is a little cliche, so don't don't tune me out. Uh, Stick with me in this. But, you know, I think it is helpful to think of it from a kind of agricultural calendar sort of way, uh, looking at the seasons, winter into spring, into summer, into fall. And so I want to look at it in that way. I'm kind of doubling down on the cliche, and I understand that. Uh, But I think we can find ourselves in these places uh, and hopefully gain some understanding of the beauty that can be found when we are in these places. So 
Are you in an autumn season? Let's start there. You know, autumn is all about the harvest. Uh, it's about gathering what you've planted. Uh, it, it's a season of beauty, really, especially like around New England, uh, where the trees bloom in, in such beautiful colors, uh, and it's just spectacular, and the weather's really great. And you know, usually we love autumn. I think it's usually one of the top two favorite seasons of the year for people. Um, it's a time of gathering, and it's also then a time of preparation, uh, of taking what you've gathered, preparing it for the winter to come, of putting the equipment away after you've used it, uh, of packing things up and preparing for the winter. And honestly, autumn always feels a little too short for me. The days start getting shorter, the trees are beautiful, and then it seems like the leaves start to fall. Uh, you, you, you harvest and then it's done. Uh, it's a bittersweet season because there's so much good, but also a realization of what's to come in the future. But if that's where you are, can you find beauty in it? Can you prepare well for what's to come in your life? Can you enjoy the good things for what they are without fearing what's ahead? Maybe you're in a season of winter and I'll be super negative about it at first. Maybe it feels like everything's dead. You know, the ground's cold and the air's even colder. Uh, there's no hope in it. It's hard. Maybe you feel like you didn't plan well for it and so that makes it hard or you weren't given the opportunity to plan well for it so that makes it hard. It's a time of repairing broken equipment and, and getting things ready for spring, of, of endless days spent inside. And winters can last a really long time. And I think of all the seasons, winter is probably the one that we can affect the most in our internal lives Be, by how we live, whether we live well or we live poorly. You know, it helps to have the right equipment for winter to have the right clothing and gloves and hats, uh, to find a hobby that you enjoy, buying some skis or, or a snowboard, uh, actually turning up the heat so that you're not shivering in a dark corner for six months out of the year is usually good. Uh, if you learn how to live well in winter though, there could be tremendous growth and potential for growth for you because winter is necessary for the ground to get prepared for what's ahead. It is needed that period uh, of, of, of deadness, of calmness is needed for roots to go down even deeper. If you can find beauty in a season of winter, then the ceiling of your life honestly has just gone up higher because you are going to be able to grow in all the other seasons. So how about spring? Uh, it's muddy, it's wet, uh, it's filled with preparation and planting. Spring's filled with mess, I think. Sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's warm, it's often rainy. Uh, your calendar gets messed up uh, because the weather doesn't go with what you've uh, laid out. Planting is slow, we're sometimes recovering from the cold months that we've just gone through. And yet, in this mess, we are made ready for what is to come. We're preparing for seasons of growth and harvest. So can you find beauty in that sort of season? In the midst of the mess and the slow growth, can you find beauty? Finally, summer. You know, summer is probably the easiest one to find beauty in. Lots of sunshine, warm weather, uh, growth is obvious. Hopefully the weather has, has worked out for you so you don't have to spend all your time watering the plants. Uh, relying on the rain to keep you healthy is, is a good thing. Uh, you do need to put in some work 
but it's kind of it's better work where you see the fruit of what it is that you're doing. But what's helpful with summer is if you can take time to step back and not just get caught up in the busyness of it, uh, in the good things that are going on, but stepping back and taking note of where it is that God's shown up, of how God has shown his love to you, of how he's moved, uh, so that you can take those notes and look at them in the next winter season, in the next hard time. Those notes will help get you through the next hard season of life. Friends, eternity is about now, not just eventually. And we need to find beauty in our current seasons, in our now places. Again, eternity is about now, not just eventually. And Ecclesiastes 3.11 reminds us this by saying that God has planted eternity in the human heart. And I want to highlight two elements of eternity, the inward and the outward elements of eternal life. And I saw both in action in our church this week. So I want to brag about our church and on the good stuff that God's doing, because uh, honestly, we probably don't do that enough. And it's a really good thing to do. So, so let me tell you two examples of this. So from the inward way of eternal life, how does this live itself out? You know, we have access to God at all times, to the Holy Spirit, to the voice of God at all times in our lives because eternity is planted in our hearts. John 10, 27, Jesus tells us that my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. We've been given this gift of being able to hear the voice of the one who loves us the most. When we take space in quiet to listen and to say, Jesus, what do you want to say to me? We are able to hear. He answers. He responds. And he tells us that we will recognize his voice, that we will hear his voice, and that through hearing him, that we will know how to follow him well. What an amazing gift, right? You know, this past week, I led a little class called Learning to Hear the Holy Spirit, and it was so much fun. There were like 15 to 20 of us here at the church, and we spent almost two hours listening to the Holy Spirit and talking about ways that we've encountered the Holy Spirit. Uh, and people told stories of ways that they've heard him from, like, you know, the the super... Uh, you know, amazing ways like healing and miracles and uh, direct words from God to the more mundane ways like through movies and, and stuff where you wouldn't expect him to speak. Uh, then we listened to the Holy Spirit and we talked about what it was like to, to be quiet and to just wait, to listen, to give him space to speak to us and, and how that made us feel. And, and if for those of us who did hear things, we talked about what it sounded like and what we heard. And for those of us who didn't feel like we heard things, we talked about the the, the vulnerability in that and the risk and, and the way that, that it left us feeling and, and the struggle within it. And it was just a beautiful, just honest, vulnerable space. And then I asked them to risk a little bit more and to ask Jesus for a word for somebody else in the room. And then we were silent, but I, I encouraged him. I said, you know, it might be a Bible verse comes to mind or you get a pain somewhere that you didn't have pain before. And that's really the Holy Spirit saying somebody else in this room needs prayer for that. Uh, or you might see a picture. You might hear some, a few words that are encouraging for somebody. And then we were quiet and, and we just wrote down the words that we heard. And then I opened it up and I started writing down the words that, that people started giving. And there was like 18 to 20 that are wrote down on that whiteboard. And 13 or 14 
of us had words from God for somebody else there. You know, not everybody heard something in that moment. Everybody could have. I completely believe that could have happened. But even if they didn't hear something for somebody else, out of those 18 or 20 words, I know that every single person in that room had something that was said that was for them. The Holy Spirit either spoke directly to their heart or spoke through somebody else to them. And you could see it on their faces, the tears that were coming as, they, as we started praying for each other, the way that it really broke through and, and the love of Jesus began to pour into us. It was just a powerful space. And we want this to be normal in our church and in our lives. Rich Velotis is a pastor in New York City, and he talks about how to kind of cultivate this in our hearts. And he said, befriend silence, normalize boredom, embrace the truth that prayer is not something we master, but an act that forms us and trust that God is always waiting for you with open arms. Friends, if you want eternity to grow in your hearts, then learn the sound of God's voice and spend a lot of time listening to him. And before moving on, I want to encourage you right now, hit pause and listen to the Holy Spirit. Ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you want to say to me? Write that down on a piece of paper and listen. Give him time. Give, you know, take five or six minutes. It's not actually that long. Five or six minutes and listen and start writing down what comes to you. I can guarantee that hearing the voice of Jesus will impact you in ways that go way beyond anything you would have ever expected. It'll show you his love, and his intentionality and his, his, his activity in your life where you are right here and right now. Take time to do that. You know, eternal life also has an outward element. And I have two encouraging stories of this from this past week. Now, I've been leading this really small group of people that I just invited, um, who I knew wanted to learn more about uh, how to share their faith with, with people in their lives. And it's called Beyond Awkward. And we're talking about how to share our faith uh, confidently uh, with those around us in non-awkward, uh, pushy ways. And there's two stories that I just loved. One was from Susan. She's been praying for opportunities to share her faith and, and to uh, talk to her coworkers about who Jesus is in her life and how he's impacted her. And, you know, work's sometimes busy and she doesn't always have the opportunities that she hopes that she'll have. Uh, but recently, within the past couple of weeks, one of her coworkers' son um, got sick and, and had a fever. And so... Susan said to him, you know, I'll be praying for your son to, to, be, uh, to be better for that fever to go away. And her co-worker was like, oh, thanks, nice. But then Susan actually prayed. And a couple of days after that, uh, this co-worker came up to her and said, Susan, your prayer actually worked. My son started feeling better and the fever went away and he was doing really, really well. Can you imagine having an encounter like that with a coworker, with a friend, with a family member, family member who you've never been able to talk to about Jesus? Susan prayed for opportunities to show that the gospel was for now, and then she acted when she had the opportunity, and Jesus moved. 
And then there was Rich, and Rich uh, wanted he's wanted opportunities to share with people in his life about Jesus, and and so he's been praying about it. And recently, he he was getting ready to go help his elderly mom, and before he left, him and his wife Shelley prayed for the conversation that he was going to you know, any conversation that he would have with his mom and for it to be space for him to talk about Jesus. Because here's the thing, Rich has been following Jesus for over 15 years and his mom has never been open to having a conversation about that with him. Anytime he would bring it up, she would shut it down and want to move on. So Rich goes over to her house after praying with Shelly and he's there and they're talking about things and then he starts talking about faith and about Jesus. And she doesn't shut him up. She's interested and she starts asking questions. And he tells her the whole story of coming to know Jesus and of how that's impacted his life and how that's changed the things that he's done since then and how it's still impacting his life today and what Jesus is doing in his life here and now. And she listened and asked questions the whole time. And they talked about Jesus for three hours. And now... They're in a place where they can keep having these conversations and she seems to be open to more of Jesus than she ever has been in the past. Rich prayed for opportunities to show that the gospel was for now and then when the opportunity was there, he acted and Jesus moved in the midst of it. Friends, eternal life is not just about what happens when you die. It's about all of humanity coming to know the powerful, loving God who wants to break into our lives right here and right now because we've been given eternity in our hearts and so we can share vulnerably with people who have been hurt by fake religious sorts of people. We've been given eternity in our hearts so we can share that the gospel is for now, that it's good news that it's been broke for a world that's been broken by pandemic and by injustice and by fear and by hopelessness. We've been given eternity in our hearts for now so that we can share that Jesus is filled with beauty and that encountering Jesus comes with beauty and deep experiences that, that wreck the reality of the, you know, our broken and chaotic lives that we live. We, etern- we, we realize that eternal life is for now, not just for eventually. And Jesus wants to speak to us today. He wants to show us just how close that he is and how much that he loves us right here and right now. He wants to show you the beauty of the season that you're in, especially if you are in a season of pain. We look at the world, we look at ourselves in the same way that Jesus did. And we say, Jesus, I don't have wealth. I don't have what that guy has and he's walking away from and he can't get what he's wanting. What chance do I have? And Jesus looks at us and he says, yes. By those standards, it's impossible. But guess what? For me, in my presence, all things are possible. And friends, the impossible has begun. It's broken into our world through the kingdom of God, through the salvation that Jesus has brought, through eternal life, heaven has broken into earth and it's begun to change things because eternity is here today. Let me pray for you right now. Jesus, I just pray for any of us here who today are saying, that's what I want. 
Jesus, I want eternity to come and to break into my world. I want the gospel for now, a gospel that is filled with truth, a gospel that is filled with beauty, a gospel that is the power to affect and bring change in the brokenness of our world. I want the gospel that that breaks through the, the fake religious masks that we wear, the fake uh, masks uh, of, of being in, impenetrable and instead allows us to be vulnerable and to acknowledge the reality of who we are and what we struggle with. Because in the presence of Jesus, there's freedom, there's healing, there is hope. There is wholeness and there is love. And Jesus said, I thank you that eternal life means that we are always in the presence of love and that your love is here right now. And I pray for each person that is here with me today that they will encounter and experience your love in a way that is deeper than they have ever known. That they will walk away changed by the love of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.